Welcome into our RB consensus rankings video. Yet again, if you have not gone to see the draft guide, it's a free draft guide, fsedraftguide.com to help you dominate your rookie drafts. Um, if your commissioner likes you, you probably have your rookie draft in the next couple of days. If they forgot about your league, well, I'm sorry, you're getting a new league. We are going to break down our running backs. Um, I'm going to say this, it's, it's going to be tough to like, it's not tough to decide like who we like the best, but I think it's not what we expe expected before the draft started, who we thought our uh, consensus was going to shake out, even because we can't predict landing spot, but you can still kind of project before the landing spots happen. So we have them kind of uh, messed up a little bit, but we'll have a good time doing it. And how are you guys doing? Doing well. I mean, uh, yeah. just ready to break down some rookie backs. I mean, I look like I'm about to rob a bank. Like, I just kind of put that together, like, on the TV. When you see, it's always this kind of hat. It's always the black sunglasses. So um, th that's how I'm doing. So a little, speaking, little, little shaky on my end. Hey, speaking of rookie backs, uh, where, where's your uh, Marlon Mack jersey at? Rip. All right, moving on. <laughs> 101. The consensus 101 is Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Um, this was tough for, I think, all of us to make the decision, not going to lie. Not Tyler, but everyone else. Um, <laughs> well, let's, okay, we'll start off with Tyler to make his case. Actually, sorry, no, we're doing Jonathan Taylor first. Okay, so Jonathan yeah. Taylor, <laughs> he comes in with – not the, the landing spot that's probably the best possible landing spot for a running back, but not the spot we thought was going to happen or the type of running back to go there. So we'll start off with just getting rid of it right away. Marlon Mack can be cut for less than a million dollars before June 1st. Right there, Tyler's jersey, almost as much as he paid for that jersey, not really, but <laughs> all about what it's worth. So, so that is really the only like statistical piece I put down. Third-ranked offensive line, they can cut Mack. He's going to get 250 touches if Mac is gone. He's probably going to get about 150 to start if he's there. I don't want to say it's the clear-cut one because I could make a case for Claire. the top freaking five guys, but I think what are you guys' thoughts on Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, I was just going to get into that. Imagine from a defensive standpoint, you're lining up to stop that indie attack, and you see Quentin Nelson and Jonathan Taylor running right behind him. Like, how the heck? Like, what, what, are you, what are you going to do? You're, you're a freaking linebacker. You see probably Quentin Nelson. Make you see Quentin Nelson pulling around the edge, ready to freaking absolutely put you on your ass. And then John, if you miss, if you get past him, oh yeah, you got to tackle Jonathan Taylor in space. Good or luck. Marlon Mack, he can get some touches. Don't don't phase him out. Well, they uh, they traded up to select the running back in the top forty. Top forty-five. So I don't think he's getting shit. We got forty-first overall, but yeah, top forty-five. Well, so yeah, with with say we'll say Marlon Mack stays, which I think he probably will, just because if there's no training camp, we say it all the time. He's cheap and yeah. Yeah, they might as well just keep him, especially if training camp OTAs preseason. He's a free happen. agent after this year, though. So, mm -hmm. so the long term of JT is is there. I think even the short term, because obviously, like you said, they traded up in the top forty-five, which is usually our imaginary line of value we could say when it comes to rookie running backs. But I think that even if Max stays, I would think they give Jonathan Taylor more the. 75% of the first and second down touches, maybe Mac would come in on like the goal line or something. But I think that either way, it's sort of too good to be true. Um, this team is just ready to roll. Just like we're going to move on to number two. Claude, uh, one thing, sorry, I wanted to just mention one thing about Jonathan Taylor is in terms of, um, I know this isn't a redraft video, but he strikes me as the rookie back every year there's one. Uh, Nick it's Chubb not. two years ago, where at, by week four or five, you trade for him. You don't draft him, you trade for him because he's not going to get like a full workload right away. Like they'll probably still use Mac and Hines for like the first like two, three weeks. And then Jonathan Taylor will be way more efficient and show that he's a much better player. And then by week six, seven, eight, everyone's going to the waiver wire or trying to trade for him or whatever. And that's when you want to, you want to strike a bit early. I wouldn't draft Jonathan Taylor though. That's what I want to put my stamp on. I didn't draft Miles Sanders last year for the same reason. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, again, coaches, for whatever reason, always have that mindset, like, oh, the rookie's got to earn the job. Like, Yeah, yeah he, kinda, does. He, still, he does. He still, he still does have to earn the job. Yeah. I mean, they cycle in, like, guys like Jonathan Williams and those guys, they run 30 times a game when they have the opportunity. So, Man, but, I'm not going to argue JT better than Marlon back as a running back. He'll still, he'll still have to go in there and prove that he deserves the carries, which, I mean – I think he will. I'm not saying Marlon Mack's going to beat him out, but I think that there's still a little bit of room, which which brings up Bush's point to the buying opportunity. Chubb, Cream Hunt was really the only odd one out. I can kind of that was because of injury, though. Yeah. Yeah. So and I think I it would have happened. Same difference for there too. So number two, 
Clyde Edwards Alaire. Before we even break down Alaire, Tyler, please tell me why you have him as your running back six. So he is the biggest beneficiary of the LSU offense in 2019 by far. The wide receivers benefited, yes. Uh, Burrow's improvement is 100% the reason why that running game was wide open, completely wide open. Um, so I, I just I can't I can't get behind it. I just can't. So, yeah, okay. He's entering the Chiefs, so though. It's basically with that, yeah. So is he not going to be a beneficiary <laughs> of Mahomes, just like Damian Williams is every year? Well, yeah, yeah. it's it's the same. It's the same way that that I, that I genuinely believe Damian Williams is going to have a very large effect in this offense. He's going to be the running back. Yeah, it, it, the, he's just not effective. He's not a good running back. He's very counted on the passing. Yes, he's going to be very good in in the receiving game of it. I, I completely back that. But he's not going to be the core running back in that system. And I'm not going to get behind the fact that he will. Yeah. Be. Because they have so much invested in Damian Williams, that's right? Man. That's why he's not going to be the running back? Well, it's just overall productivity. Oh, yeah, here. Uh, that's what you have a more productive running back that can actually run the ball, I would, I would definitely he, give him more carries than see, I, I would. I completely disagree with your statement of he can't run the ball. He was one of the most elusive players in college football last year. Easily. The, that's core. That's that's corely based on why would a defense give in for the run? No joke. Every single snap for Georgia. Every single snap for Georgia in the SEC championship. It was three guys. They sent three guys because they're like pass on us because we okay. Know and they're not going to do that in the run. NFL. Yeah. You think they're you think they're not scared of Patrick Mahomes like they were scared of Joe Burrow? That's the thing where I didn't. Okay, Alaire to me was not the most complete running back or like, but I knew a team was going to buy into like what he is because he is a pass catching back. And he goes into from LSU to an upgraded LSU now in the NFL. To me, is the way I look at it. Defenses are better and faster. I'll take I'll take the chances. So is the offense. I mean, I get I get you're saying. I don't think he's the most complete running back in the league. But you can't. So vacated production for the Chiefs last year: 118 uh, rushing attempts, 41 targets. Even even if he gets that, which is 159, that's like I think a. That's like low end for his opportunities, I think. Very low end. But discount the touchdown opportunity in this offense, too, because exactly. they're going to score a lot of touchdowns. They're going to score a lot of points. Um, you saw Kareem Hunt a couple of years ago before he decided to kick someone. Um, he, he was getting a lot of touchdowns. Like, that's all yeah. he really needs. That's all Edward Tiller uh, needs, a couple of receptions and a touchdown to make your uh, lineup. Yeah. Who's saying Clyde can't, be, uh, Clyde can't be Kareem Hunt in that offense? Like, who's saying that? Well, that's, that's what I was going to touch on. So, Andy Reid's draft capital for running backs. The highest one he ever took was Shady McCoy for the Eagles in round two. You saw that panned out. He reached on Kareem Hunt in round three, a dude that we thought was maybe going to be a round six, round five guy. Everyone thought that. Look how that turned out. D'Anthony Thomas, round four, but he's a utility player. And then Niall Davis, but that was his first year coaching at the Chiefs. I don't think he had much of a say in who was there for him. So, like, to me, it's just too good to be true. Like, as much as we can find Max for him, was why beneficiary, can't pass block, Damian Williams is there. Like, it's this – the one Damian Williams get hurt, gets hurt every year. Like, the only reason we think Damian Williams might be there is because he's done it in two playoff games, which – I mean, I hope so because they were guarding the pass. They weren't trying to. They weren't worried about Damian Williams taking over the game, which he just ended up doing every single time in the playoffs. So I think it's. I'm not the thing with that is though, unless I have the 101, you're not getting me to draft Clyde Edwards or Larry. I'm not touching him in redraft. He's going to be a round two guy, and I'm not touching him in dynasty startups because he's going to go ahead of Austin Eckler. He's going to go ahead of. Uh, yeah, I think it's might be the only one. I guess not. Well, Aaron Jones, we would have said, but. No, nah, it's a wash. So, I mean, that I think it's just the price is going to be way too high. So, maybe you buy when he doesn't start right away or something. Cause, yeah, he might have uh, the same situation. I've learned this over the years because I always get excited about rookie running backs. I always do it. I do it every year. The best thing to do with rookie running backs is when they don't get touches week one or in like week two and week three is to trade for them, not to draft them because you're going to overpay in the draft. Unless it's Saquon Barkley or Zeke. And yeah, unless it's a top like <laughs> 10 top two yeah. picks I mean, yeah. yeah unless yeah. it's a top 10 pick it, my motto this year and it has been for a couple of years now because i've gotten burned by it in the past is don't draft rookie running backs high like in redraft specifically i know this isn't a redraft uh, thing but to get to yeah. that too i mean like even look at christian mccaffrey, McCaffrey his rookie year when he was the eighth overall pick he got what 170 touches all year that year the next year he ends up being the number the number two running back overall and then well, obviously this year had a running back Take away Dallas where they they didn't, and take away the Giants no. where they didn't. I so, know, but I'm yeah, saying like basically, I'm like, expe people. 
expecting a rookie to just instantly produce like a Saquon, like a Zeke, well, yeah, it's going to be time. Has people in front of him, no but shit. It's the same who are you referring to, Jonathan Suter? Like, if Damian, if Damian Williams did not exist, he'd be my running back one. But Damian Williams exists, and he can catch, and he can run more effectively, and he can pass block. I'll take that. Okay, well, well Damian Williams, we're talking about dynasty here, and Damian Williams yeah. is a free agent after this year. Yeah. He's also gotten very minimal money invested in him. And Clyde, they would not have picked a running back in the first round when they needed other things on defense if they didn't believe in Edward Solaire. A lot of other things. Yeah, for the record, I don't know if we mentioned it. All three of us, not Tyler, have him as running back two. Yeah, all of us. And Tyler, where, where do you have him? I'm at six. Yeah, I'm at six. Okay. yeah. all right, we'll move on. That's probably too much. We should talk about him. Cam yeah. Akers, number three, our consensus three. Um, I'm just trying to look at the rankings. Corey Edgema, three. Tyler, two. I have him at three and Danny at four. Cool. Um, yeah. We have him – I mean, we'll just read off the vacated production because his is the top notch for all the running backs. 223 rushing attempts and 49 targets. I'm not going to say off the rest because you can't predict that. But that is, quick math, 272 opportunities vacated. Malcolm Brown ain't getting it. They tried to give it to him, and then he didn't get it the rest of the year. So I'm not going to make the case for Malcolm Brown to win the job. Darrell Henderson, I guess, but if they really liked Darrell Henderson, they wouldn't have taken Cam Akers when they had um, one, two, three, four offensive line spots to fill, and they didn't even touch the offensive line. So they obviously like seven defensive positions. So they, which they filled that. I think that was their goal to fill the defense first, which whatever. I mean, but here's the thing with Cam Akers. Um, The J.K. Dobbins, if he would have went here, I would have liked him, but probably not this high. Cam Akers goes from a bad O line to, yes, it's a better O line, but it's still a bad O line. So it's a similar scenario the defenses are better yes but I mean like the offensive line is better than Florida State's offensive line so it kind of evens out to me I just think he's going to see so much volume these first two three years on a cheap deal they'll run him into the ground we saw what they did with Gurley um the first two or three years of his career Um, 30 the Rams have the 31st offensive line it's it's literally like a mirror image I mean it's it's hilarious like like how how accurate the the kind of go for from Florida state to the NFL version of Florida state. Just kidding. Just with the line um, as the 31 offense, the 31st offensive line only behind the dolphins. And if you look at how both those teams attack the draft, one fixed their offensive line, at least attempted to, and the other one did. So he literally is probably going to be behind the worst offensive line. in the league. I was about to say, did, did the Rams even draft a single lineman this year? Nope. But okay. here's the thing with that argument, though. The one, if, if you check out my article on in the draft guide, fscdraftguide.com, um, my biggest concern with Cam Akers is that he doesn't, like, he doesn't trust his offensive line, which I wouldn't either. I'm not knocking him for that. That's true, though. It's true. But he can't, he doesn't have, he doesn't run with patience. And in the NFL, and that might have worked in the ACC where uh, you're the best athlete on the field. But I saw, I saw it with Ronald Jones his rookie year. His offensive line was not good, and he tried to improvise every play because his blocking lanes were, were clogged up. And you, you can't do that in the NFL. Like, you, you just can't improvise because be- like the edge rushers are as good an athlete as you are, if not better. Yeah, and I think the one thing with that is Todd really finished 15th last year in PPR with one knee. Cam Akers comes in with probably the same amount of production. Maybe they have Darrell Henderson take half and half to start. I think Cam Akers is a much better running back than Darrell Henderson. For sure. So this is more just a long-term thing. I think that we haven't really seen any injury issues with Cam Akers. Obviously, he could just get injured his first carry. Who knows? You can't predict that. But I think if they fix the O-line, which, I mean, who the hell knows what's going to happen there. I just think that the opportunity plus the possibility, I think, equals more to me than the guys that are lower than him, um, I guess is probably what I have. And I really like him coming in, too, so I kind of feel a little bit. Yeah. Um, my, my thing is, is, like, I will not be drafting him in redraft. I just won't. I, like, I, I think oh, he's no, going to take no. time to, to get – acclimated because I think he's going to discover real quick that you can't dance behind the line of scrimmage in the NFL. So, um, and Sorry. the Daryl Henderson thing, I just wanted to touch on one other point. If they really liked Daryl Henderson, Todd Gurley wasn't effective last year. They would have like slowly yeah. integrated Daryl Henderson. They traded up in the, in the third round, two third round picks, uh, comp- uh, compensatory tick, uh, picks with Tampa to uh, last year for Daryl Henderson. They had a lot invested in him. I so think they, they, they kind of fell into the Memphis, Memphis running back hype. They would have. Yeah, yeah, they just fell into the Memphis running back hype and then realized maybe he's not as good as he actually Pollard, Pollard was. He's just Kalen Bellage and can run fast in a straight line, and that's why he had a 10.0 yards per carry or whatever it was. Hey, Pollard was the back. Exactly, yeah. Pollard was the better back. Uh, I was just going to preface uh, why I have him at four quickly. Uh, 
again, the three and four to me, uh, we're probably going to touch upon uh, Dobbins uh, soon, but uh, yeah, they're the three, four to me, they're in the tier. So uh, the thing with Cam Akers, again, obviously, uh, as Bush prefaced, he isn't really, I don't want to say developed, but like in terms of like vision, in terms of consistency, he still has his ways to go. So I don't think he'll be able to produce at a level of the top two guys uh, right off the bat. But long-term, talent-wise, like I really love Cam Akers, and the situation uh, should be good in terms of volume. So I like him a lot. Again, 4-3, we're interchangeable for me. So Absolutely. So next up, the guy I never thought in my life I would have here, even in the top 10, honestly, post-draft, he must have landed on the Chiefs, Keyshawn Vaughn. This is something that, like, he first got drafted. I was like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. The draft day three went on. I thought maybe they were going to add another guy like an Eno Benjamin just in case type thing. They didn't add anyone. And then I heard Bruce Arians talk about his pass blocking ability. Um, insert Ronald Jones last year pass blocking clip, which I'm not actually going to insert that in. I'm on board. He's my running back. I have him at uh, five because I still have Swift. I think Swift is a better talent. Maybe he'll play out in the long run, but I think I'm still in love with Vaughn. He comes in with vacated production of 178 total touches last year. Uh, that is not including Dare Ogunbowale's vacated production. Obviously, he's still on the team, but they can cut Dare for $0 before June 1st. I have a feeling they will do that because they need the depth at tight end. Obviously, they signed Gronk and traded O.J. Howard. They're going to have the depth at receiver because you have Scotty Miller, who's a key part to that team, and he'll be like the wide receiver five or six. So he's a lot of opportunity for Vaughn. Another thing, too, that you, I don't think you think about when you think about this, Ronald Jones was not drafted by Bruce Arians. That's not to say that, like, they're going to get rid of him by any means, but I think Vaughn is going to get the premier touches probably right away, too, because, like I said, I mean, the write-up, I think I did the write-up on him, maybe. I, he's good at everything. Like, B minus, B grade at every single aspect to a running back's game, and it fits well with this team because you don't need – by you guys getting Gronk and getting Tyler Johnson as, like, your fifth and sixth – I say you guys, as Bush is in here. You're like fifth and sixth weapons. You don't need a running back that's going to like dominate the run game. You just need someone that's going to do good, and he will. I think his floor will be like his. I think his floor will be like a low end RB two in redraft, and I think his ceiling could easily be an RB one if maybe they just run the ball more in the red zone. Which there's if they cut Dare, there's 35 total vacated red zone touches for the running back. So I've, as much as it sucks, I really like the uh, landing spot for Vaughn here. Yeah, I, mean, I love it. It's a good landing spot still. Uh, I know you guys have him a little bit higher than me, but I still like him as a talent uh, and especially as a landing spot. But uh, I know uh, Tyler and Bush obviously want to get into him at uh, being Tyler's favorite running back in Bush's team. But uh, yeah, go, go, go bonkers, boys. Go, you can go first, Tyler. Yeah, so absolutely love this guy. Uh, it, overall, I think Bruce Arians not only sees the pass blocking, which he is the best in the class at doing, um, he sees he sees the work ethic that he puts he puts into the off ball um, effect. I think that's huge. I think um, with quarterbacks, and I talked about it with our film uh, with our films uh, series on uh, fscdraftguide.com. Uh, quick plug again. So um, I talked about it a lot. So quarterbacks always have the ball in their hands. There's never a play where they don't have it. However, running backs and wide receivers have lots of plays in a game where they do not have the ball. So the overall effect and and effort shown that that needs to kind of be there for those players has to be shown in film. And, and it's just all over Keyshawn Vaughn's film, the effort he puts on the plays where he knows he's not getting the ball. It shines to me. I absolutely love it. Uh, the guy is a, he, he's an absolute force. He's going to work his ass off for, for the bucks. Uh, Bruce Arians is going to put that faith in him. He's a, he's already a veteran guy. He's a five-year college guy. He transferred to a few different programs. So he's worked in a bunch of systems. I think this was a guy who people were very much undervaluing coming into drafts. And now, now it's going to show that, yes, he is going to be very good uh, at the next level. He's going to block. Bruce Aarons is going to give him opportunity because of that blocking. Uh, the effect in the pass game will be there. He'll get receiving work. And he can run the ball quite effectively, too. 1,000-yard rusher in the two seasons with Vanderbilt. I am pro Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah. So uh, from the Bucks perspective, I think Tyler did a good job of wrapping up Keyshawn Vaughn. One thing I wanted to mention is that I didn't watch a 2018 game of his when I watched him the first time. And I watched when they drafted him because I'm a Bucks fan. I watched six games of Keyshawn Vaughn. I should have watched his 2018 tape because he was much more explosive then. And I didn't, I didn't take that into account. So that's my fault on that. But um, in terms of the Bucks perspective, I said this before they drafted anyone. The role that they're drafting someone for is a three down role, but Ronald Jones will still probably get 12 to 15 carries a game. So 
the role that Keyshawn Vaughn is inheriting is going to be the third down role, but he's also going to see like five to 10 carries depending on the game script and whatnot. But uh, he's the third, he's the third down back from day one. He is going to get the majority of the receiving work. He's comfortable splitting out wide and playing in the slot. He can, he can do that. Ronald Jones is just basically his receiving work is basically just, he can catch screens and make stuff happen after that. But I like the landing spot was one of the best landing spots in all of uh, the NFL for running backs. I think I, I've warmed up to it definitely more than when they initially made the pick. I think he is going to be an RB two in, in fantasy this year. Mm-hmm. I, really, I mean, yeah, I it's, it's crazy that like, he's going to be like the eighth weapon on that offense. If you just kind of go and like the touchdowns can't be undersold too. Like they, uh, they like um, Dirk Cutter didn't like doing this, but Bruce Arians runs the ball in the red zone. Lucas mentioned how many red zone carries there were. They tried to run the ball in the red zone. They didn't have the greatest running backs to do it. Uh, Ronald Jones is a, is a good goal line runner. I don't know if you saw a couple of his touchdowns, but he like made like three guys miss before he had to go in the end zone. I mean, so, you could touchdowns could be in their favor for sure. The, the Patriots are famous for running the ball in the red zone too. It's not like Brady's like, yeah, I'm going to throw this pass. Like, yeah three rushing touchdowns last year on the goal line just because he knows that's the most efficient way to score the ball when you're in the, it's the safest way too because it's harder to it's hard to throw red zone touchdowns like it's, teams, it's risky the windows are tighter good teams run the ball inside the 10-yard line you've just mm-hmm. seen it time and time again i mean the packers this year the 49ers even the chiefs i mean they like obviously you had kelsey as a red zone weapon but they wanted to run the ball when they were in the red zone like you've seen it like good offensive coordinators know it's just such a less riskier type option like you're it's way less likely that you're going to fumble inside the 10 than it is you're going to throw an interception. It's just plain and simple in general. Yeah. Uh, or even take a sack and, like, ruin the whole play. Like, if you take yeah, a sack yeah. in the red zone, like, it's much harder for you to score a touchdown. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, I like Keyshawn Vaughn a lot. Again, uh, the four to six range was pretty, pretty interchangeable for me. Uh, but, yeah, uh, good player, good situation. I mean, plug him in. He's probably got the highest uh, floor outside of the top two year one, in my opinion. So, I like it a lot. Absolutely. And obviously Peyton Barber got carries for a reason because Ronald Jones can't pass blocks. It was bad too. We move down on to our five, J.K. Dobbins. Um, I'm just going to go break down sort of the the best worst landing spot is kind of the way to look at it here with Dobbins. So there's no vacated production for the Ravens. Obviously they brought back Gus Edwards. Uh, he's an RFA, restricted free agent. He's my favorite. And everybody's breakout candidate, Justice Hill, is still there. Um, he will probably stay there. There's no need to cut him because he is efficient in the passing game. If if it comes down to them getting hurt, he is the back. But um, 29% of the Ravens like plays were ran out of personnel with two running backs. So that's 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 I think it was third or fourth in the league high. That's something to take into account. So then I dove in and saw how many um, snaps per game Gus Edwards actually saw. It was only seven less than Mark Ingram. I have a feeling J.K. Dobbins is better than Gus Edwards. Um, and he, Gus Edwards yes. is a restricted free agent. They could easily just cut him and take like a 500K cap it if they don't want him there. So Gus Edwards, he will – or J.K. Dobbins will see production. It will be efficient production, but they're not cutting marking him anytime soon. He's a $3 million cap hit this year and almost $2 million next year. So there's no way they're just going to cut – they're not going to take a cap hit just because when they just went 14-2 and two with marking him as their only running back. So that's where the ceiling, I think, is a little capped. Obviously, you could play the long term with him, which I think I probably will in a couple of leagues, just depending on the situation. But I think that he's still a good fantasy dynasty asset. The volume is just not going to be there compared to the other, what, four or five guys we have ahead of him. Uh, yeah, that's what I was about to preface. The reason why I have him as, as my three is the long term situation is just so tantalizing for me. I mean, he's, he's going to end up being the lead back on probably the a top two at the very minimum rushing offense in the league. I mean, the RPOs are going to run with freaking Lamar Jackson. Like he's going to have an extra defender accounting for the quarterback, no matter what the boxes he's going to run into. Like, and as a talent, I mean, I think he's just fantastic, but uh, going into it, you prefaced uh, the, the Gus Edwards role. I think he's going to take that first of all, instantly. And he's going to get more uh, dip into more of a Mark, Mark Ingram's production in general. So uh, I can definitely see this being a tandem backfield. Uh, say Mark Ingram's getting 17, 18 touches a game with, I don't know, the majority of the groundwork, while uh, Dobbins is more so in, like, I don't know, the 11 to 14 type range and is still getting the more efficient work. So I love Dobbins. And as a talent, I just think that situation, that sort of offense is a great fit for what he actually brings to the table. He's an explosive back. 
he's going to absolutely take uh, take advantage of a defense if he's given space. And how is it, how is there not going to be space for him on a, an offense as dynamic as the Ravens? So Ravens killed the draft, by the way. But the, I'll, the I'll receiving also, work is the thing that gets me interested because Dobbins to me, I'm okay with being wrong about Dobbins because I say wrong. I have him RB five, but I think the consensus amongst the industry is going to be higher than that. And I'm kind of okay with him with being wrong about him because the situation's a little murky right now. Now, if it clears up and they say something like Dobbins is getting all the receiving work or we see that in the preseason or, or whatever, I know this for dynasty, it's not as useful like to see that stuff later on, but for redraft, uh, and um, just his, his usage in general next year specifically. I want to see him get the receiving work because if he gets the receiving work, I think he'll be very valuable because yeah, the, like the Justice only, Hill isn't that good. Like he's just not. Yeah, so. The only thing with that is like, yes, that would be his role. But Mark Ingram saw two targets a game. Gus Edwards saw 0.5. And Justice Hill obviously is really good at catching the ball out of the backfield. They didn't use him. Yeah. It's because they don't they don't need a receiving back because they have Lamar Jackson. Like you don't need the check down when you have Lamar Jackson. So like they can just scramble for five yards yeah, instead of if they down. adapt to that, one, you're not gonna be able to stop that because you have to guard the running back out of the backfield and contain Lamar Jackson. But that'd be really nice. Um yeah, we'll see. Like if there's reports that that's gonna happen, then like, yeah, I'm all on board because yeah. marking your he's he's very confusing for me, yeah. Dobbins. Because like I wanna love him so much, but there's like concerns. I think he's just risky, personally. I think he he could like, I don't want to say Mark Ingram's just going to go away, but he could very easily take over that backfield by, like, week four in terms of being the featured guy. No. Yeah. And that wouldn't shock – it also wouldn't shock me if he has a very down rookie season and we're talking about him as a buy-low candidate next year. Just for the record, too, in terms of, like, which running back the Ravens could have used out of the top guys for their offense, Dobbins is the absolute perfect fit for them. Like, yeah, exactly. Perfect. So Yeah, uh, well, it, it's built on my, my core fear for, um, for him as a player – was was clearly if he's in a system where he is the where they, there isn't a mobile guy, uh, he's going to be bad. Uh, and he got the most mobile guy in the league. So yeah. congratulations, yeah. his value is now through the roof in my eyes. I mean, because that again, that was my only fear. My only fear was if he goes to a team without a mobile quarterback, he's going to not be good. He just won't mm-hmm. be. So he needs that. Uh, he needs that mobile quarterback with him. Uh, one thing I do believe will affect him is he won't get red zone touches. Uh, Mark Ingram will. I think that's just yeah. proven overall in most backfields, proven the the guy, the veteran guy is going to get the red zone touches because you lose the ball, uh, coaches hate you. So they're going to trust the veteran guy to hold on to it. And Mark Ingram's just more built for that role. So the touchdowns will be low, but can you count on the receiving work and the rushing work to, to balance that out for you as a fantasy candidate? Hopefully for Dobbins. Yeah, it's, just a, it's a long-term game for this guy. I mean, you can't really – I mean, like, yes, there could be production, which is all – broke down so i think very intriguing prospect for sure next up deandre swift you're probably wondering why the hell he's at six um i think we all have enough five or to be honest, I, I don't know why he's that low because i think he's a really good talent but i see why he's that low um he comes in carry on johnson's not going to get cut by any means he has a good amount of cap but i forgot to write it down for some reason it's probably two to three mil just like rojo uh kind of that range they're all similar draft capital. So he kind of falls into that. You're not going to cut him, but there is the injury history. Um, they added Jason Huntley, which to me, that's not going to take away from Swift. They drafted him. That means they're really concerned about carry on Johnson. It's kind of the way I see it because they wouldn't have drafted Jason Huntley when they have carry on Johnson. Like they wouldn't have doubled down. If yeah. carry on gets hurt, I think Swift an easy one in redraft. He has to be. He'd be a league winner in redraft. He'd have to be a high-end RB2 just because this offense is going to be efficient if Stafford stays healthy. We saw that last year when, I mean, Bo Scarborough was easily startable for like seven-week stretch because he was seeing 20 rushes a game with easy touchdown upside. With garbage was, quarterback play, too. Exactly. So, I think it's it's tough because, I mean, he's my four. Like I said, just due to strictly if carry-on gets hurt, it's there. But they obviously like carry-on because they drafted him in the same range as they drafted Swift. So we'll see for sure. I mean, if there's no training camp or OTAs, I'll probably bump him up because they're going to give it 50-50. If the guy is hurt, they're not going to work him in um, 100% carry-on if he is hurt with no medical or anything. But what are your guys' thoughts on DeAndre Swift? I was just about to mention, we previously mentioned that Dobbins is the most confusing situation. I think this is the most confusing situation. Like, I have no clue what the Lions are planning on doing. Like, they, they're, they're a pass-centric team, first of all. So uh, it would make sense to get the pass catching back and Swift more involved in terms of the carry-on. But 
like we've seen it time and time again that like even when carry on was healthy they just didn't give him the full workload now you're adding swift uh how's the split gonna be how much pure volume is each back gonna be like it's confusing to me like i saw him as my uh five because i just think the talent is there and he will eventually get to that point but it's just it's just very confusing i have a tear break after uh acres between him and swift so yeah what, what are your guys thoughts on it yeah so for swift um the snap share so here's the here's the issue and and yes he can overtake carry on uh, but I think more or less it's just just on the lines and how they approach uh, they approach things in the running yeah. game. Uh, carry on snap share was it was twenty percent, twentieth in the league. Uh, so it, there's it's not like he's stepping into a top ten kind of situation where yeah if they split they could still be semi effective. Um, so it's in a it's in a low low percent uh, for the snap share. Uh, a lot of plays, in all honesty for Detroit, a lot of plays were just empty backfield. And they run with just Stafford back there, and they run the five wide receiver set, and they, they kind of just roll with that, which is good for wide receivers that got drafted there. Um, but overall, I just don't really think the running's going to be there. And Swift, you could say, would be taking more power side of the uh, split kind of carrying. But they were 39th in, uh, in red zone touches for, for running. So it, it's like, how, how can I get behind – how can I get behind Swift actually being semi-effective there? I do think he's going to be the one, and I do like uh, like his opportunity uh, over some other guys in this in this class. Um, but I still kind of struggle to get behind it a touch. If you're the Lions coaching staff, you got to think of like I know we are stuck in our fantasy brain right now. But if you're the Lions coaching staff, you think about it this way: you've had now two straight years where your running backs are decimated by like week eight, and you're rolling out Bo Scarborough and like Garrett Blunt and all these Jags that you like are not dynamic at all. So I think they're going to be smart with this. They're going to use a 50, 50 timeshare with between these two guys, hopefully for my carry on Johnson trade that I just made carry on Johnson gets the, the receiving work, but I could easily see Swift being the receiving guy and carry on getting the dirty carries. To be honest, I don't know how it's going to work. I think carry on's a better receiver. So I would expect him to get the receiving work. Plus, he's probably also more developed in pass protection, seeing that he's been in the NFL for two years now. But um, I, I, it's a murky situation, and I don't anticipate one guy winning out over the other. I think it is going to stay a split. Mm, and that's most of the time where you can take risks. Because I think, I mean, I don't know who you play in your leagues with, but if you play in a league with guys that maybe think about it higher than just DeAndre Swift's really good, the Lions are in a good offense, like. Maybe they see that. You might be able to get them at a value at like 108, 109 in Superflex League, maybe even 112 if he falls that You might be able to get carry on for nothing right now because people might just think he's nothing. And I I think carry on will still have value. Would you you throw like a second rounder at carry on? Uh, Rookie second? Yeah. Uh, Mid-second. I would throw a mid-second. Yeah, I was going to say maybe a mid – like 206, 207, but I just think this rookie class is just so talented in the top 15 that I don't know if I'd be willing to give more than that. My hope is that he becomes James White is what my hope is for on Johnson because they're, it's a Patriot system. My hope is that they oh, use sure. um, Swift as like, I don't know, like Sony Michelle type like role. Good Sony Michelle. And they use carry on like James White is what my hope is. For Swift's sake, I hope he does, uh, they don't do that. Uh, Why? It's just Michelle's not built for that kind of yeah, stuff. I, think it's, I don't think Swift is either, to be honest. Yeah, I, I hope for Swift's sake they give him 20 carries a game. That would be perfect. Well, I, I hope he doesn't get 21 catches in two years. It but that would just mean they carry on. Yeah, that would just mean they carry on as a third down guy. So we'll, we'll yeah. see how it plays out. Know, we'll, we'll see. I still love Swift as a talent. So, uh, yeah. Be yeah, well, we are not doing that. All right, next up, number seven on our ranking, Zach Moss. Apparently the heir to Frank Gore. I, I love we we all knew they were taking one of Zach Moss, AJ Dillon, or like a Michael Warren or Keyshawn Bond. They were taking a guy that's gonna replace Frank Gore. And we can't deny that it's not gonna happen. That's why we have to have him this high because he is gonna see work. He's gonna be fantasy relevant. He comes with a vacated production of 169 rushing yards. So I like, just take that for what it is and 17 receptions. Devin Singletary is gonna see the, the main receiving work. They made that clear. In the playoffs, they made that clear. I can't remember who their backup was. Well, Gore kind of, but they had another running back they signed and worked in. They made it – I mean, okay, everyone's going to say they really like Devin Singletary. He got drafted in the same range as Zach Moss did. So, that's the case you have to like Zach Moss too for this offense. It's going to be Frank Gore-esque to him. It's going to be Devin Singletary kind of like a – it's going to be 50-50, I think. So, that's why you have to like Zach Moss here. He's good at 
I don't want to say – to me, I think he's better – he's a little bit better than Keyshawn Vaughn in the way that they both are good at everything. So I think it'll just fit good. But his ceiling is very, very capped compared to the other six guys we have ahead of him. Yeah, I mean, like his floor is going to be like probably around a mid-link RB3 simply because he's probably going to get like 10 to 12 carries per game in that offense. Uh, going back to like in terms of all around, yeah, like he, he's the guy who's going to take the early down work. Uh, I think it might be like, in terms of carries, it might be 65, 60-ish uh, for Zach Moss and then 35, 40-ish for Singletary. But in terms of the receiving game, in terms of the efficiency, obviously I'd still prefer taking Singletary. Your hope now, is the goal line work goes to Moss. If you're, if you're which, investing which in Moss. Will. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which it will, yeah. I think it will as well. Agreed. Moss, to me, if you're in a, a league with a lot of flexes, he's going to be undervalued. I'll tell you that right now. And you'll be able to plug him in as like your second or third flex every single week. And he'll probably get you. You're basically hoping for a touchdown, obviously, but he'll probably get you like, like eight points just based on carries. He's gonna be like the Jamison Crowder of running backs, if that makes sense. Yeah, he's gonna have basically what Jordan Howard was before Miles Sanders took over. For sure. To put it to put it the red zone work into context, I just pulled it back up. Singletary had six less red zone touches than Gore, and he was the full time running back, um, like post week eleven ish. Um, and another thing with Moss, I think he's going to be a steal when you get him in rookie drafts because he's like the ultimate handcuff because Singletary is a good receiver. He's just an athletic guy. Moss can catch the ball too, just as efficiently as you, as probably yeah. Singletary could. I mean, like he did, he showed it in college at least to where he can catch it and get you five to six yards. And that's all they're asking for for Singletary. So I really like Moss here as much as the guys that we're going to go with lower they have a lot more upside i just think you had to put him you got to so rate him a little high because he's basically what we wanted latavius murray to be he's like a dual yeah. he's a handcuff with standalone value is what he is and this team is they are they're probably improved the most out of all the teams in the league so far this offseason i think so i really like what they're at coming in sure. next up anthony mcfarland to eight um i don't know why our next guy is aj Dillon, but we'll talk about that anthony mcfarland little booger my favorite here um i Bush mentioned this out yesterday. I was really high on him coming in, and now I'm tied for the lowest somehow, which I feel like is, like, crazy. But it is what it is. He lands on the Steelers. Um, I couldn't pull up the sports injury predict predictor for James Conner, but I have a feeling it's greater than 60-some um, percent, whatever whatever the high rating is for that website. It's a good website to go check it out. James Conner will most likely get injured. I mean, if I'm picking one guy, it's most likely him. Anthony McFarland, as much as he's not a workhorse back, I feel like – I mean, we spell Harris White, Benny Snell. Like, so that's more of an upside play if a guy gets injured. He's not going to win the job. Like, he's, he's not going to beat out James Conner. They would have had a nickel running back by now if they didn't like James Conner, obviously. So, I like – that's just a complete upside play. But I like him. He's very elusive with every touch. He's very efficient with every touch. So, we'll see how that plays out. But he's a fantastic um, taxi squad guy for sure. I don't know if he like, – like you said he's not going to be no James Conner. I'm not 100% convinced that he can. Like, I, I, like on film, I just I, – I, I'm a big fan of Anthony McFarland in general. I just think he's an explosive player, efficient with his touches. If the, if the team sees, oh, uh, this guy's completely efficient with his touches, say, in practice in the preseason, hypothetically, if we have a preseason obviously COVID, uh, they're, they're just going to see a better overall running back in my opinion. I, I'm not a big James Conner fan in general though so maybe like I'm a little bit biased in that regard but uh I think he's got the opportunity again I, I'm with you at nine simply because I'm not sure if the coaching staff will be of that proponent uh but yeah in terms of upside I mean if, if he ended up hypothetically getting uh the efficiency job on that team like the Steelers Steelers offense could be fan fantastic in general so uh I'm a big fan of uh, McFarland's game and yeah he's my nine simply because the floor is not there but yeah, no, I like him. I'm actually not that big of a fan of his game. Uh, I had Marlon Mack comps because I was like, screw this guy. This guy can't receive any short pass block. Yeah. Uh, so, honestly, um, for how much I really didn't like his film, I have him as my RB7 because I just can't get my – whoever was going to go to the Steelers for me was going to be high in my rankings. McFarlane goes there and he's at seven. That's not bad for me at all. Um I honestly get behind the guy. I really do. I, I kind of uh, – the opportunities there for him to to take that role. James Conner is a sure as heck not a lock. Can he take that backfield week one? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, mean, I don't really think it's – there's a guarantee that he's going to not take that over. 
I mean, for to start, did you watch Javon Leak or Anthony McFarlane? Did you say the film's bad? Like, I think you watched the wrong running back yeah. there. But Javon Leak did, ended up uh, taking over because of McFarlane's injury. Concern. Well, the team sucked, so it didn't matter yeah. who the running back was. But I think the thing with the Steelers is besides when they had Le'Veon Bell because he was just efficient, they've never ran like the year James Conner broke out. It's because he had like 16 touchdowns. They still ran two to three running backs that year. If you actually look at the snap shares and like the, the personnel and the way they used it, James Conner is going to get the full rights or else they would have got a running back the year that Le'Veon Bell left. They wouldn't have given it all to James Conner, like your backfield. So you just have to stash McFarland because they still have Jalen Samuel. So they really like, I think that he, it'll take time for McFarland. I think is what we're trying to say, but he's definitely a huge upside if James Conner gets hurt for sure. Next up, A.J. Dillon. I don't know why he's this low. Um, I it's guess I have to That's why. eight or seven. So, let's we'll start off with the Packers here. They had a bad draft. We're not going to talk about their draft. They – well, to start off, they've had every single excuse to get rid of Aaron Jones that they could think of. For a dude that finished second, here's the thing. Aaron Jones was the second fantasy finish in running back in PPR last year. I know those guys don't play fantasy. They don't care about that. But production and good production needs the fantasy production. The main was the second running back last year. A touchdown to opportunity percent of 6.2. That's going to regress. But whatever. So he was still a top RB1. They go out when they need a receiver, offensive tackle, outside linebacker, and they draft a running back in round two. That has to mean something. Like, it's not – they didn't just draft him for insurance when they already have Jamal Williams. Then they go out and draft Josiah Deguara in round three, who is a probably one of the best run blocking tight ends slash J backs in this class. So they're just trying to protect the run. Then they came out after day two and said that they are all in on the run game. So AJ Dillon, one is going to be a great redraft running back because he's going to see first and second down, probably red zone work. And two, well, I mean, I know Bush is probably going to touch on it. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are not under contract next year. So, I mean, like, I don't know. I just don't see like where the, the confusion is with Dillon. As much as I hate the fit, like if they would have went like any other running back, I think it would have been perfect. But I think that you have to like A.J. Dillon. I'm going to speak on Dillon real quick because I did his write-up, and I think he's a good running back. Like I don't think he's just a guy. I think he is a good running back. Like he is like Jordan Howard. Like like Jordan Howard is a good running back. He's not like the most dynamic guy in the world, but he's a good, solid yeah, running back. Five, and coaches are going to like him. Yeah. yeah, and as you said, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones are free agents. Let's not forget, this is a second-round pick they used on him. A second-rounder, not like a fourth-round flyer. Like, they used a second-round pick on him. They, to me, that tells me that once those guys are gone next year, I don't think A.J. Dillon's going to have tremendous value his rookie year. This is more of a long-term type thing. They might give A.J. Dillon, like, a pretty decent chance at the starting job next year. Like, they might draft a running back, like, in the fifth round next year, and, like, just it'll just be A.J. Dillon pretty much. When you use a second round pick on a guy that yeah the year before his his the your starting running back was the RB two in fantasy that's not a good sign. And Aaron Jones is a six round pick, so like not that yeah. like obviously he way outproduced that, but like that has to mean something if they're letting a six round pick be the full time starter and then they go get a second round pick and it's a new coach. Yeah. When a new coach go gets a player they don't need that they really like, they're not going to put him on the bench. So like it's. It sucks because they didn't – It's everyone thinks it sucks because they didn't go get the receiver that everyone thinks they need when they don't actually need one. But now they have A.J. Dillon. The offense is going to be good. The team's going to be good. He's going to see a lot of red zone work. So, I think it's – I mean, unless anyone else has, like, a point against him, I feel like it's yeah. all good for us. Uh, I just want to mention, I'm, I'm a little bit lower on him. But, uh, yeah, I'm probably going to end up moving him above D.J. Dallas. They just seem like similar situations to me in terms of uh, run-centric teams, obviously – uh, I'm going to move him up simply because of the draft capital you got to factor in compared to DJ Dallas. But when I'm looking at it in terms of guys like Darrington Evans, in terms of uh, Anthony McFarland, similar draft capital, I just think are better players. So uh, that, that's my rationale to it. Uh, nice. I, don't, I don't hate AJ Dillon. Again, uh, I just think those guys are in overall better situations, especially uh, Darrington Evans in terms of uh, taking over for Tennessee, especially. So. I would hate uh, AJ Dillon if I put DJ Dallas ahead of him. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm adjusting. DJ Dallas just isn't good. So. Could you imagine if the Packers would have, like, moved up and got, like, Dobbins or Swift? Like, how awesome oh. that would have been. That would have been so great. Definitely. Like, they just kind of waited to, like, I don't know. Like, they obviously, like, didn't move up. But we'll move on. Next up, Darrington Evans. I would just uh, – Nate just introed in. Tennessee Titans. He's going to be the Deion Lewis um, snap share replacement for this year. The only thing with him is you are only drafting him if you think 
They don't sign Derrick Henry long-term. I don't think they signed Derrick Henry. They've tagged him. They obviously don't care to sign him because they're smart. You don't pay running backs. But I don't know if Darrington Evans fits their style of, like, pound the rock type guy. So that's where I'm, like, a little bit like, – I like him. I see the opportunity, but I'm still a little bit lower because I think they would just go out and sign, like, a Devontae Freeman type player, Jordan Howard type player if they don't sign back Derrick Henry. So I think it is a little bit of, like, a little bit of hope, but then you got to put it into perspective of how that team runs. So, like, it kind of evens it out a little bit. And my thing with Darrington Evans is they didn't just draft him in the third round to be completely redundant just to play the Deion Lewis role, in my opinion. I think they really see him. Wait, sorry? Derrick Henry just led him to the AFC Championship. They didn't draft. And I I agree 100%, but, I mean, you don't want to give a running back that much of a workload. Like, they were giving him, what, 30 touches a game in the playoffs? Because that's the only way they're going to win a football game. Agreed, but that's not sustainable for a long term, in my opinion. So uh, getting a guy like Darrington Evans, I wouldn't necessarily say he's going to be a 1B because I still think Derrick Henry is going to get by far the majority of the workload. Uh, but in terms of year two and on, I mean, I just don't see a way that they're really going to bring him back on a long term deal. Like they're, do, they've do shown you, to be a – what were you going to say? Do you honestly believe Anthony McFarlane's going to get the opportunity in, in less opportunity than Darrington Evans? Because I uh, well. I think that, I don't know, they're both, let me see right now, they're both back-to-back for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're similar. Yeah. You're holding, on, I, to the same, you're holding yeah. on to the same hope of an injury slash not signing someone back. So, like, I don't know, I that, think, that, uh, that's why they're this low. I have Darrington Evans as, like, higher on my overall uh, draft rankings simply because I just saw a little bit more on film. I saw a little bit more consistency overall. I, again, they, they're both fantastic players, and they're both in the same tier for me. But I think uh, Darren Evans has a more clear role right now as the clear number two back in that offense on the Titans. And I think he's got more of a chance to really be uh, the one long-term if they don't bring back Derrick Henry. So that's just my I wouldn't use a pick on him, period. I think Darrington Evans is not good. So I I have him RB12. I thought I was the lowest on him. Lucas is way lower than I am. I I put him at RB12 simply because he was a third-round pick and he might get some volume. That's the only reason. If they don't re-sign Derrick Henry, they're going to realize Darrington Evans isn't good and they're not going to use him. He's basically, he's basically in the situation. I think this time next year, he'll be in the situation Justice Hill's in. Yeah, I see that. I mean, I have him at 11, and that's because you have to just in case they don't get anyone next year. But, like, the Titans was not the landing spot. Oh, sorry, that's Dwayne's rankings I was looking yeah, at. Yeah, like, I think Dwayne's looking at it as, like, Darrington Evans is not a Tennessee Titan running back. They had DeMarco Murray, Derrick Henry, they're both pounders. So, I mean, like, yeah. Now, what if, what if AJ Dillon had gone there? Like, then that would be that would be a better fit because they're be. obviously that that to me signifies we're not signing Derrick Henry. Like, Which I think I don't think they'll sign him back because they would have like like it's don't like a guarantee though. Had they drafted AJ Dillon, that oh they're not yeah, signing. like but if you franchise tag him, like to me that means like you're not signing him back at yeah. a running back position. So yeah, I mean we'll hold on to that hope, Texas squad guy for sure. We're moving on now to Josh Kelly, our final two, Josh Kelly and Eno Benjamin. I don't want to have Josh Kelly this high, but to me, if it comes down to a roster spot, they're taking Josh Kelly over Justin Jackson because Josh Kelly's a very good special teams player. Yeah. He's, he's experienced. He was a senior coming out of college. Coaches love him at the Senior Bowl just because of his attitude, his work ethic, and he can pass block too. To me, that just means I don't think – I mean, Austin Eckford's the – he's the number one running back. But yeah. you have to have another running back. Like, I mean, like they're going to give you some touches, whoever that two is. I like Justin Jackson. He's a handcuff is basically yeah. what he is. And I they think... bypassed the O-tackle. For, like, they traded their second and third round pick for Kenneth Murray, yeah. obviously meaning that, like, we're not too worried about overall depth. And then they bypassed the O-tackle, but I'm pretty sure Josh Jones – no, I'm just kidding. That was a fourth round pick. There was definitely – There was guys on the board. Like, they could have picked Akeem yeah. Adenji or someone – Prince Tagawinogu, someone, like, developmental that they could have at least given a mm-hmm. shot. What, what I gathered from the pick – is that he is the Austin Eckler handcuff in terms of the role on the offense. Well, Justin Jackson's going to be the complimentary back to Austin Eckler. I feel like Josh Kelly kind of does similar things to an Austin Eckler in terms of the receiving game, in terms of the efficiency basis. So if anything ever, ever happened to Austin Eckler, I feel like he'd take that role and they'd still kind of uh, mix in both him and Justin Jackson. So, uh, and I own Eckler in a dynasty league, so I might be interested in Kelly just based on like a uh, handcuff. So, but like other than that, I, I, that's great news for Austin Eckler owners that they drafted Josh Kelly because had they drafted even like Zach Moss in like the third round, I think that's a little bit, it downgrades him a little bit. So. Yeah, I agree. Uh, again, right. I currently have Kelly as my 13, but 
I mean, they're, they're also similar. That's just simply due to uh, just fit in terms of like clarity. But yeah, no, I, I like Kelly and uh, I'm fully on board with him. Like if you want to put him at 11, if you want to take him, especially if you're an Eckler owner. Both uh, of good, these good guys, both these guys are handcuffs at best. And Eno Benjamin, uh, I guess kind of segueing there, Eno Benjamin is, is, is a core landing spot only kind of guy. The only reason he's high in my rankings is the landing spot. He went to the perfect place. He, he, he's going to take like what, like a 30 minute drive and he's going to go to the Cardinals practice facilities and he's going to put in some good work. He fell down boards yeah. for, for a random reason or something, but he went to a team who's going to give him opportunity if, if they have it. Um, I'm, I'm pro it. Although I think Chase Edmonds is a better back. I've yeah. I think if anything happens to either of those guys, Drake or Edmonds, then Eno slides into those roles. I don't think there's a chance in hell that, if they like they transition tag Kenyon Drake, right? So he's a free agent after this year. I don't think there's a chance in hell that they just go, okay, we're just gonna roll with Chase Edmonds and Eno Benjamin. They're either gonna re-sign Drake again if he has a good year, or they're gonna draft someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only I think I really like Eno here because Drake obviously is they transition tagged him. So they didn't pay him because they don't want to pay him. Like, like you don't just no. not pay him one year. And then like, Unless oh, yeah, he's like gonna... on an Austin Eckler team friendly deal type yeah, thing. That's and the that's only gonna... way he gets a contract. And Austin Eckler brings more to your team than Kenyon. Yeah. Drake. I like Drake, but like it's Austin Eckler type thing. So they, you don't just say you're not going to pay him and then change your mind. Like, oh yeah, we're going to pay you now. Like we actually like, think you're valuable to the team. Chase Edmonds and I think Eno Benjamin can absolutely run as the one, two, just because when you think of an air raid offense, you don't think of a full-time running back like ever because you don't need one. I mean, they ran four, they ran four wideout sets when their fourth receiver was Demir Bird last year. Like I started Demir Bird in so many like deep dynasty leagues and he's actually like getting four to five catches a game. I think now they have the they have the four to five receivers they want. I think that not that we're like knocking Kenyon Drake, he's still gonna be good for fantasy, but I think Eno's worth the taxi squad stash because they might go Edmonds and Eno into next year's. I, I like him to stash. Uh, I was gonna probably like late, late two, early three in Superflex uh, rookie drafts. Probably, I was gonna say like late three, maybe. Like yeah, I don't think he goes in the, the second. I don't think there's a chance yeah. that he goes in the second round just because of the depth of the receiver class. Yeah, that's true. That's I true. was gonna mention too, in terms of uh, you know, I'm I'm lower on him. I just when I look at it, you got seventh round draft capital. He's gonna step into the RB three. Like they're not committed to him at all in terms of. Capital. They're gonna draft Travis Etienne uh, in a year. It just it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me how they that'd be awesome. Like, that'd be awesome. It doesn't make sense to me having him over a guy like DJ Dallas because DJ Dallas has better draft capital and has more of a clear shot at being the two in that offense. And he's the perfect compliment, or not compliment, uh, he's the perfect stuff for a guy like Chris Carson in terms of play style. So uh, I personally would have had DJ Dallas over, you know, Benjamin I have Dallas I over Evans and Benjamin. I, I agree too. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I just, I can't get, I can't get past that seventh round draft capital and the situation uh, in terms of him being the three. Uh, but if he landed, if he landed like the fourth round, fifth round, somewhere else, like I think he is a, a better talent than DJ Dallas. It's just the situation so much better for Dallas in terms of uh, production. So uh, I, I don't agree with uh, the Benjamin over Dallas. So. All right. Anything else? Nope. Nope. Oh, nope. All right. No. So those are our running back consensus rankings. Um, FSCDraftGuide.com. If you're still listening, the free Ricky Draft Guide. Tomorrow, uh, wide receiver consensus. Uh, Thursday, tight ends. We're going to have a rookie mock draft with our Discord members on Friday. And then it is full redraft and dynasty um, season, kickoff, whatever you want to call it. So subscribe, like down below. See you next time. Peace out.